No, God is God. That's just the way it is. God's above everything. In fact, nothing in this world compares to him. And I believe that God wants more than anything. He wants our hearts. He wants our worship. He wants our full attention. And he wants our admiration. And I believe God deserves to be number one in our lives. You know, in fact, the Bible is very clear. If you read the Ten Commandments, the very first one, these are commandments for living, says, you shall have no other God before me. Jesus one day was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. God wants all of you. He wants your entire heart. He wants your mind. He wants your soul. Which explains, I think, the evil one's strategy in life. If you think about this for a moment. If you were Satan, put yourselves in his shoes for a moment. Spouses are going, yeah, go ahead, honey. <clears throat> but if you were the evil one, spiritual enemy of God, What would you do to try and hurt God? Well, I believe you try and turn people's hearts away from him. You try to get people to worship something else, to serve a a false god. And that's exactly what the evil one's been doing throughout history, is trying to get people to worship other gods. You know, that practice is called idolatry. It's a sin. It's a sin that's destructive in our lives. You know, false gods promise what only the one true God can, can provide. For, for example, money. Money is extremely popular. I believe it can become a false god. I mean, how many of you believe money's popular? Let me see your hands. <laughs> but what, what does money do? Or what does it say? I mean, money promises what only God can provide. Because money will say things like, if you have enough of me, you could be secure. You could be happy. And people believe that. They believe it's true. And so money is promising security. But it's a false God. I guarantee you, If you found out you had cancer, you would realize no matter how much money you've got, you're not secure. It's a false promise. It says, if you have enough of me, you'll be happy. But it doesn't matter how much you have, does it? In fact, when the bottom falls out in life, you realize money can't deliver the happiness that it promises. See, money's a false god. It can't deliver. In Elijah's day, people were living idolatrous lives. They were worshiping and serving false gods. And if you weren't here last week, I'm going to bring you up to speed, give you a little context so you understand. Elijah was called by God. He was called to confront the evil king Ahab. 
Now, Ahab was married to a very wicked woman by the name of Jezebel. This is the 19th consecutive evil leader in the northern kingdom of Israel. Israel was divided into north and south at, at this time in history. First Kings describes it uh, this way. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He was the worst of the worst. All the, these long line of leaders, he, he was the worst of them. And, and he did terrible things. And the worst of those things was that he turned people's hearts away from the one true God. And he turned them toward Baal and Asherah. Now, Baal was the sun god. He was the god of fire. And that's going to be important that you kind of remember that. Asherah was Baal's wife. She was a goddess of fertility. And people are worshiping Baal and Asherah. These false gods that that promise so much. They promise that if you would worship them, that your crops would grow. If you would worship them, you would have a better life. They're promising what the one true God could come through with. God raises up Elijah and says, go to the king. So I kind of picture him rolling in on a Harley or something, pulling into Ahab's palace, and he confronts the king. And he says, because of your idolatry, God sent me to tell you no more rain. In fact, no more rain until God tells me otherwise. And so they have this major drought, which earns Elijah the top spot on the king's most wanted list. There's a price on his head. And they want him dead, not alive. And so God sends Elijah into hiding. And last week we talked about he was in the Kareth Ravine. And God was providing for him. God gave him water through, through the spring miraculously. And then he had ravens that flew the food in every day. He had food. Elijah's totally dependent upon God. And it's interesting because we watch this man of God begin to develop into a great man of God. And so he leaves the the ravine. And because of Elijah's relationship with God, his total reliance on God, he was spending a lot of time with God. He was in tune with God. He was willing to be used by God. And he's totally obedient God starts doing great miracles through Elijah. And we said that he was at the widow's home and he had been told to go there and that he realized she's about to run out of food. She had a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour. And Elijah, because he was so in tune with God, knew what he was supposed to do. He says, you're never going to run out. And sure enough, she didn't. And then one day, her son dies And Elijah does something that had never been done in history before. He brings this boy back to life, brings him back from the dead. And Elijah is just developing rapidly. And that's kind of where we pick up today. He's still staying with the widow and her son. He's still in hiding. It's the third year of the famine. People are dying God's going to shake things up. And God says, Elijah, 
I want you to go back to Ahab again. And as Ahab sees Elijah approaching, first time in three years, scripture, scripture says this, Ahab exclaimed, so is it really you? I love this. You troublemaker of Israel. Troublemaker. Hebrew, uh, you can translate that viper, snake. In other words, he's saying, you low down snake. You evil viper. We are having a drought and people are dying because of you. And Elijah kind of fires back. He's like, no, 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 no. You got that wrong. I have not made trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers. For you refuse to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. He says, you are committing the sin of idolatry. You are putting these false gods ahead of the one true God No, you're the one to blame, Ahab. And he's confronting a a very popular idea in that day of many gods. You know, it's the tension between uh, monotheism and polytheism. You know, monotheism is the belief in one God. If you're a Christian, that's what we believe, in one God. Polytheism believes many gods. And so Elijah's kind of confronting that modern mentality. He's confronting uh, Ahab. They, they were worshiping these multiple gods, specifically Baal and Asherah. And I know as I'm talking, some of your, your minds are racing. You're going, well, I'm good on this one. I can just tune him out today. I mean, I'm a Christian. I'm monotheistic. I believe in one God. But friends, I would argue that although we say we believe in one God, and we may, but I would argue that we live polytheistic lives. We we believe in God, but in reality we worship and serve many false gods in our lives. I mean, I don't know people that are worshiping Baal and Asherah. No, we're too advanced for that. I mean, that'd just be silly, wouldn't it? But we worship things that are more socially acceptable. We worship the false god of money, material possessions, cars, homes, careers, hobbies, our our own image. We worship that stuff. And friends, when you elevate, I don't care what it is, you elevate something to the true place of the one true God. When you put anything there, that's idolatry. And so I've got to ask, what are the false gods that you serve? What are the false gods that you put ahead of God? Those things that come first before God. Because this one happens easy. I I see it all the time. You know, people uh, like worship their careers. And so they elevate career to God status. You know, everything in their life revolves around the throne of their career. We make all of our decisions based on our career. People sacrifice for their careers. In fact, I've watched people sacrifice everyone and everything. 
for their careers. I've watched people sacrifice their family for their career, their health for their career, their integrity for their career. You know, they sacrifice everything so they can move ahead, so they can get a promotion, so they can get a raise. Why? Because career's number one. Number one. I've done that in my own life. I mean, I can remember early in ministry, the church, get this, the church became my false god. I made ministry, what I, what I do, the most important thing. Serving the, the church, understand, is my calling. I believe that. But for a season, I made the church number one. Put it above God. I, I did ministry in the name of God, but ministry became my God. You know, grow the church. Serve the church. And then one day I realized that ministry was in that top spot. My relationship with God had been traded in for a lot of religious activities. It can happen easy. See people make idols out of their families. Don't misunderstand me. Obviously, family is a wonderful thing. It's an important thing, right? And, And it's good that we should love our spouse, our kids, our grandkids, but friends, it's really easy to take and make that number one. Put it ahead of, of God. You know, everything that we do has to do with our family. Every decision we make revolves around the family. Sorry, God, don't have time for you. Wife and kids come first. You know, sorry, God, we're not going to have time to worship you. Because, you know, our kids' stuff comes first. Our family's going to do something else. Sorry. What are some of the false gods that you elevate to that throne? That you put above the one true God? It's idolatry. It's a sin. Sure, we're, we're monotheistic in our beliefs. But I would argue that in practice, many times we're polytheistic. So Elijah kind of takes on the, this polytheistic culture. He makes a a strong prophetic statement and he's watching society. It's going back and forth, back and forth. And he says with all the authority that he can muster, all the authority that God has given him, he says, people, it's time. It's time to quit wavering. It's time to quit wavering between gods. It is time for a good old-fashioned showdown here. Scripture says, now summon all Israel to join me in Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. Let that one sink in. 850 of them. They were supported by Jezebel. It says, so Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. So they gather on Mount Carmel. And then Elijah and he's always getting in people's face. He, he asked this piercing question. He went before the people and said, how long will you waver between what? Two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. 
I believe if Elijah was here today, he would say, quit wavering. I mean, how do, how do we waver? Well, I believe we waver all kinds of ways. We, we live in a day that's kind of a pick and choose, you know, mix and match, build your own faith, fashion your own God. Recent Gallup poll, it was very disturbing. It was kind of a pew poll where they took, took a look at what people believe in the church. And they found, they, they asked people about reincarnation. You know, that's the idea that we are born into this world and then reborn and reborn over and over and over again. We'll come back as something else. And although that goes against everything in God's word, get this, 22% of Christians in America say, I believe in reincarnation. It makes me wonder, well, how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happens. It's, I'll take a little of this. No, I don't like that part of the Bible. In fact, I don't believe that part of the Bible. That just doesn't work for me. And we mix and match. It's the mentality today. It sounds American, doesn't it? Yeah, God, I love heaven. Wow, let me in. But now I'm going to do what I want to do, okay? God, hear my prayers. Bless me. But some of your commandments, not working for me, okay? I wanted all the good things that God offers. Okay, God, I, I, know, I know that you think this is bad, but I just don't see it that way. Friends, it's called wavering. Quit wavering. You know, quit being a Christian for a few hours on Sunday morning and living some other way through the week. You know, quit claiming Christ as your Savior and living like you don't even know him. You know, quit wanting all the benefits, but being unwilling to to sacrifice, to truly give God control of your life. Wavering, 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 wavering. We're a society that wavers. Scripture says, then you call on the name of the God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. It says, the God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. What you say is good. He's challenging them here. He's putting them to to the test. You know, Revelation says, I know all the things you do. That you are neither hot or what? Cold. I wish that you were one or the other. God's speaking here. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will what? Spit you out of my mouth. Choose a side. Choose a side. Hot, cold, hot, cold. If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. I mean, if I could kind of uh, conceptualize the message of Elijah. He was saying, if your God, little g, 
If your God, whatever it is, really is God, then sell out to it. All in. Jump. Go crazy. For instance, if material possessions, if that really is God, the most important thing in life, then here's what I would say. Throw caution to the wind. Go into massive debt. You know, do everything you can, any way you can, to get those possessions. Because if possessions are truly the God that provides, I say go for it. I mean, if your image, if that's really number one, if that's your God, then don't just prop it up. I say go crazy. Buy it, tan it, tweak it, tat it, you know, puff it up, tuck it, lift it, twist it, curl it, color it. I mean, go crazy. (laughs) Go for broke. Show absolutely no restraint. If pleasure is really God, take it to the edge. Go where you want with whoever you want. Forget about a thing like marriage. Don't worry about who gets hurt. Sacrifice everything for that fix, for that buzz. Fly high. Go to the extreme. But if Jesus Christ is the one true God, quit wavering. Don't just claim him and then do your own thing. Serve him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Elijah says, how long? How long between these two options? He builds an altar, uh, and he builds a sacrifice, lays it on the altar. He challenges the, the prophets of Baal to do the same. This is a showdown, high stakes, death match. Loser dies. He says, the God that answers by fire, he's God. Then all the people say, what you say is good. They're like, oh, good. Good idea, Elijah. And in their mind, they're thinking, Elijah, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. This is too easy. Do do you know who you are dealing with? I mean, we're going to call on Baal. Baal. Fire God. (laughs) Prepare to get smoked, silly prophet. Scripture says that they danced and they shouted and they worshiped. All morning, Baal, answer us. Baal, answer us. Hear us, Baal. No response, no answer. Now, I love Elijah because he, he's always in your face. And so he starts messing with, with the followers of Baal and Asherah. He says, at noon, Elijah began to what? Taunt them. How many of you have brothers or sisters? You know what I'm talking about. He says, shout louder. Surely he is God. Perhaps he's in deep thought or busy. 
Maybe he's traveling. Maybe he's sleeping. And he must be awakened. Elijah is just all over him. Hey, could you shout a little louder? I mean, maybe he can't hear you. I bet this Baal, I bet he's really something. If you could wake him up, get his attention. Is he taking a nap? Is he, a, is he in Maui? You know, listening to Matchbox 20? <laughs> listening to Billy Joel? Prophets are like Billy Joel. You know, we didn't start the fire. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Scripture says that the prophets of Baal went crazy at this point. They started shouting louder. They started dancing more intensely. They, they cut themselves all day long. And here's what hits me when I read that. Because too many people today don't just dance all day long for their gods. They do it for a lifetime. They dance, they praise, they pursue, they serve, and they worship that false god, whatever it is. But it never delivers, does it? the end of the day after all the dancing you know the twisting and shouting and the cutting and the worshiping after everything after all that nothing Elijah steps up to the altar says well gave it the old college try and this just doesn't seem quite fair in fact this is too easy Let's make it harder. Tell you what, why don't you go get four large jars of water, and we're talking big jars of water, and pour it all over. Pour it all over my altar. And so they did. And they get done, and he says, well, let's do it again. Fill all those jars up, all four of them again, and pour the water all over. And they do it again. One more time. Just humor me. And so they do it again. Everything's drenched. The altar's drenched. The sacrifice is wet. The wood under the altar, it's soaked. Elijah's standing in water. And he says, that's good. And he steps up to the altar. It says, at the time of the sacrifice... The prophet Elijah stepped forward and what? Prayed. He prayed. That's what we're going to focus on next week. We're going to look at his prayer life. But it says he prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known today that you are the God of Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. I don't know if you hear the passion in Elijah's prayer. You know, he's saying, God, answer me. Send fire. Reveal yourself. Show us who you are. Why? So that people's hearts would be turned People who used to know you, 
people who used to walk with you, God, people who used to serve you, people who used to worship you. Do this so that they'll turn their hearts away from these false gods, these things that do not deliver in life, and they'll turn their hearts to you, God, a God that always delivers. You know, I found found myself as I was reading this story that my prayer really was that God would reveal himself to you in a significant way. Because I know many of you have walked with God and been close with God and served God and worshiped God in your life. But what has happened over time, little by little, bit by bit, piece by piece, we keep lifting all these other things up and all of a sudden... Something else is number one in our life. I've just prayed that God would reveal himself. Why? So you turn your heart back to him. That's why some of you stumbled in here today. You know, because God's been working on you. God's been getting in your head. You know, why? Because he wants to turn your heart. Sometimes it takes fire, but God turns hearts. Scripture says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stone, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. God reveals himself, bolt of of lightning, comes out of the sky, it's a bolt of fire. It says, when all the people saw it, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Friends, I pray that faith fellowship, that, that we see God for who God is, that, that we see all the false gods that, that promise so much, but deliver so little, that that God would reveal himself and realize that he doesn't have to do it in fire. In fact, he did it in a more beautiful way, and that is in the person of Jesus Christ. I mean, God showed up more than 2,000 years ago. Why? To save the world. Arrived in a manger, lived a perfect life, and because of love, he freely gave himself up and died on a cross. For your sins and mine. And then God in mighty power allowed Jesus Christ to walk out of that grave. Why? One reason. So that we would turn our hearts to God. The Lord, he is God. And when you realize how much God loves you, when you realize what he did to save you, I mean, when you, when you let that soak in, really soak in, I'll tell you what happens to the false gods, those things that we chase. They just kind of fall away. I think if Elijah was here, he'd say, quit wavering. Choose today whom you will follow. The Lord. He is God. I would challenge you to just um, reflect a little bit. And I don't want you to think about the person sitting next to you or, oh, I wish so-and-so was here and could hear this. To think about you. And to think, 
you know, what area in your life, where is it that you're wavering? You know, what, what things have you placed before God? I mean, how many of you, as you look at your life, would go, you know, there's some stuff going on in my life and it does not honor God. And inside you just want to go, God, I want to quit wavering. You know, I want to serve you wholeheartedly. But this is getting in my way. And name that thing. You know, just say, I confess and, and state what it is. And then say, forgive me. Help me get things straight. You know, some of you are wavering and playing a, a game that too many Christians play. I call it half in, half out. You know, it's kind of the mentality, hey, I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to try and not do bad things. I'm going to go to church once in a while even. I believe a lot of the stuff about Jesus. But in reality, Jesus Christ really hasn't impacted your life. Hasn't changed the way you live. You know, you're not seeking God through Scripture, spending time in God's Word. You kind of do the pick and choose thing. You know, I believe that. Don't like that. That looks good. Not praying and asking God what God wants you to do with your life. Instead, it's kind of like, hey, God, bless me, and I want to do this. You're just doing what you want because it works for you. And if you were really honest, your faith hasn't impacted your life whatsoever. Hasn't impacted the way you deal with your anger, the way you deal with lust, the way you manage your time, your money, your resources. Hasn't changed how how you live in any aspect of your life. Oh, we believe in a monotheistic God. but too many times we're living in a polytheistic way. And I want to say to you, quit wavering. Surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All in, full-blown, not halfway, full-on for God. One question to take home with you, how long will you waver? You know, God has a plan for all of our lives. And... uh, I just challenge you to give your life to God.